Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Broadway Jets podcast. You'll know me from Twitter as NYJ Mike, and I'm joined as always by the master of receipts. It's NYJ Matt. Matt, how are you, buddy? Doing all right. Mike, there's a million different ways we can go here. Um, how do you want to start? Yeah, we're coming off one of those losses. You know, it seems like with this team every couple of years, you got one of these really, you know, things are going poorly. And then you get a loss that just twists the knife. You know, I'm talking about like 49 to 9 against the Bengals, the Monday night football game against the Colts, where friggin' uh, tight end scored three touchdowns in the first quarter, the football game. And then you lose 54 to 13 to your arch rivals. The, the first thing I want to say, and it bothered me the most out of everything, Zach Wilson obviously gets hit twice on back-to-back plays, which felt like two roughing calls nowadays they would have called automatically. I don't care if he's in the pocket, out of the pocket, whatever. Two tough hits that he takes, knocks him out of the game. You have to respond as a defense. You It doesn't mean you cheap hit people, you act like an asshole, but you have to hit people hard. You have to get pressure. There's no... Oh, just lollygag out of bounds. No, you hit every player on the Patriots. They just took your franchise quarterback and number one asset of a billion-dollar franchise. They knocked him out of the game. At that point, you don't know if it's two to four weeks. It could be a year. And you respond by getting steamrolled for 54 points. It is unacceptable. It is the lowest and most disappointed I've been in a team in my lifetime. I cannot believe that they let the Patriots with no one on their offense. Their offense is garbage. And they came in and they beat the fucking shit out of our team. And the defense did not respond after their number one asset goes down. Despicable on all accounts. I, I was so frustrated. You don't, Mac Jones was touched one time by Michael Carter, a defensive back. It can't happen. Yeah. And the frustrating thing is, like you said, there's, it's not like the Jets got out, got outplayed from a talent standpoint. Like, we can't guard Brandon Bolden. He's too good. Or Nelson Aguilar or Jacoby Myers, you know, Damian Harris. These guys are all pro guys. No, it was a bunch of bullshit swing passes, screens, uh, you know, running lanes were just gas, just wide open. Every player's eight yards on the ground. Uh, it's, not, it's like Mac Jones was throwing bombs. Yeah, it, the it's- greatest pass ever. It was fucking Brandon Bolden in the flat and there's no one was there. I want someone to look up in 50-point games, when a team puts up 50 points, how many of those games include a special teams touchdown, a pick six, a fumble return for a touchdown? None of that. The defense owned every single point that was scored by the Patriots. It's an embarrassment. And Robert Salah, we are huge Salah guys. And let, me, let us preface, we're going to be mad for the entire episode, give some positivity. And at no point are we going to call for heads to roll in week six of a brand new team, but we can be critical. And this was the one time I think all year that you can really say Salah was outcoached, outmanned and completely unprepared to take on Bill Belichick and his team. Completely unprepared. Two weeks to prepare. Um, I just, it wasn't like the Patriots did anything so special. You know, they made it, they had a couple of, of trick plays. One of them worked, one of them didn't, but when you just get gashed up the middle, with your run defense and then you just, you know, anytime that anytime someone runs a screen against the jets, it's like the first time they've ever 
seen a screen pass before. Everyone flies forward to the quarterback like maniacs, and then it's just 20 yards every single time. The tight, it started with the Titans game with that stupid Jeremy McNichols, um, and then Brandon Bolden killed the Jets yesterday. If I have to watch that scumbag run for 20 yards without being touched one more time, I'm going to vomit. It's unacceptable, and it only got worse when every linebacker got hurt. The, it's Deshaun Phillips is going to be the starting linebacker, and then who are you going to put around him if, if Mosley can't go, Gerard Davis can't go, Sherwood can't go, Hamza can't go, Cashman can't go? It's unbelievable. I, I can't and, – and what bothers me the most out of everything, and I don't want to jump around too much, is I watch as the Bengals and Cardinals lead the AFC and NFC, two teams that – have been dog shit over a course of five years. They've been really bad because the Cardinals obviously have played better of late. But how are these two teams now? And the and then you look at the Bills, who are the number one team in your fucking division. You look around the football and you're like, why can't my team not only make a legit playoff run, but be competent and don't get embarrassed every week? And it's just not happening with this franchise. I have a good analogy. I, I drive a... Uh... A like old Toyota RAV4. And when I'm on the highway and I press down on the gas, I look around and cars are just passing by me. And it's like the Jets. It's been, you know, we've been, we were in the same position as the Bengals, as the Cardinals, as the Browns, as the Bills a few years ago. And these teams have all zoomed right past us. And it seems like the Jets are going backwards. And, you know, we were told that. You know, this year we have a new exciting coaching staff, um, some new talent. Things can't possibly possibly be bad, as bad as last year. And it has been to this point. Um, and it's really tough. Almost fallen, fallen out of love with the game that I can't stop watching. We wait every year for this. And then the game ends. And I didn't watch a 4 o'clock game. I didn't even turn on one play of the Sunday night game. I didn't want to watch it. And I'm not being a, like a pessimistic loser i just have no interest in watching teams look like normal football teams and watch my team get railroaded every week and i will still i'm not gonna be one of those fans i will still have my season tickets every year i will still buy the new jersey of the new quarterback i will do everything i can i'll keep investing in this team and i want one time an ounce of investment or return back and i'm not getting it and i haven't gotten it for 11 years now but we're not gonna i hate the whole Sell your season tickets, affect the Johnson bottom line. I don't give a shit. I love this team. There's a reason why you put so much effort into a group every Sunday. You love your team. You love your guys. And the lifeless effort. I, I don't understand how people on Twitter are saying they fought till the very end. No, they fucking didn't. Ashton Davis had three cool tackles. He also gave up the first touchdown by pulling up for no apparent reason and can't cover anyone. So go play your fucking Call of Duty tournament and get off my football team. Yeah. Was he a third round pick? Come on. Yeah, look, it's I agree with you. We are we're loyal fans, and that's what being a loyal fan is, is sticking with your squad. And you know, it doesn't and like the thing that Johnsons don't give you shit, blah blah blah. Like to, like you said, don't buy the season tickets, you know, to affect their bottom line. I don't know, it's silly. You watch the documentaries they put out in the offseason, these guys spend a lot of time doing the stuff and but like they got the head coach that everybody wanted and we yes like what are they how are you (laughs) how are you saying sell the team and mike and i are very consistent with our takes we will always man up when we're wrong and even though we were supporters of sam darnold the moment zach wilson entered the building at no point were we going to give up at at him after eight weeks even a year and a half so a lot of the same way we're not going to just be these 
fairweather fans that keep moving to where the tide goes. And then you look on Twitter, sell the team, fire LaFleur. Zach Wilson might not be that good. You have to take everything at face value. Right now they suck, but you don't have to give up on the entire year. There's still going to be good moments. You want to watch your Bryce Halls have a pass defended against Jamar Chase. Like that can happen. You can root for that. I just cannot believe for a half dozen years, our starting quarterback cannot play a full year. It's unbelievable that we have to go Sunday after a hungover from a Halloween party and watch Mike White play football for three hours. It's not fair. It's not fair. It it's... might be Joe Flacco now because uh, an hour ago they traded for him. <laughs> I actually like the Joe Flacco trade. I don't love the, you know, I don't want to give up any draft compensation. And Joe and Joe Douglas is wrong for not making this move in the offseason and just signing Flacco or signing whoever. Um but at least, at least he, he brought in a veteran quarterback now because I tweeted out yesterday, if the Jets, like the worst side effect of the Zach Wilson injury would be that the Jets cannot competently run their offense. You have to be able to run your offense and do normal things so that Elijah Vera Tucker can develop, so that Elijah Moore and you have Corey Davis involved. You have to keep these guys playing normal football. You can't have Mike White go out there. And Mike White, like, he looked better than I thought he would. Which And, you know, we finished 20 for 32 at 200 yards, a touchdown and two picks. But if Mike White went out there next week and was like 17 for 38 with 110 yards and three interceptions, you're te- you can't play normal football with that. So I'm happy that the Jets went out and got Flacco. But it's like, uh, it's tough to feel good right now. Horrible. Horrible. And then you look at a guy like Michael Carter yesterday. The guy played his ass off the entire time had a handful of checkdowns, made the first guy miss. But again, so it's third and two that you got to have it. The four, fourth and one, you have to have it. Just the same old nonsense. You're getting hit in the backfield. We talked about it yesterday. I, I want to know what – I think Michael Carter is fourth in the NFL in yards after – I think yards per attempt after contact or whatever the fucking stat is. Whole thing's miserable. Um, there's, there's not much to be excited about when you don't have your rookie quarterback playing football. It's a, every year there's a three to four games where you go through this and it's not fun. You need to evaluate him. You need him to get a million reps. But we talked about in 2018, Darnold sat three weeks and then became great for the four weeks after it. Maybe this is a break that the young kid needs, but this injury, when you hear something popped, my knee feels loose. Not great when you're looking at, we're still 11 games out from this year ending. Yeah. But let's hope that this is the extent of the injury. And then let's say Zach gets back. Maybe the Dolphins game is November 21st or the Texans game the week after. If you go Dolphins, Texans, Eagles, Saints, Dolphins, Jaguars, a little six, seven game stretch right there. Maybe we do see that, see Zach Wilson come alive and and the offense look good towards the end of the year. And and we need some hope for now next year. And it's disturbing because – you can't just keep giving up on these seasons like week five, six, seven. Like you just can't, it just can't happen. And we you don't do it. We stick we through don't do it. it. But this is, and you know, it's like we stick through it. And right now I can pretend in my brain that the Jets have a chance to make the playoffs this year. But it's like, it just, at this point, we got to lose a normal game first. Um, ah, we stick through tough. it more than most. I think the biggest factor that we have to look at is. A lot of teams root for their team to lose once they're out of it. Me and Mike really don't like doing that. The good thing is that we have another first-round pick that we can root for that team to lose, which kind of helps a little bit. And I think one thing that not a lot of people are talking about is our strength of schedule 
is dog shit. It's not good this year. It's one of the lowest in the NFL. So in the event a tiebreaker comes in the draft where a team has the same record as us, the Jets will likely get the pick ahead of them. And on the flip side, Seattle, they have a very hard train schedule, meaning if that if they go seven and ten, they're likely going to have the bottom of those draft picks in the draft. So it's a little give and take. That's why you have to root for Seattle to lose every goddamn game. So this team can get a high draft pick and hit on it because right now the 2020 draft class is an absolute train wreck. And I'm I'm hopeful with the 2021 draft class, but again, does it stunt their growth when you're not playing well, like good football? It, it matters. It, it matters a ton. A thousand percent. It definitely matters. If you are Michael Carter and you're playing on a winning football team or Elijah Vera Tucker, et cetera, and you have better players surrounding you, you're probably going to develop quicker, but you know, we things do change quickly in the NFL. We have to remember. Think about the feelings around the team before the Titans game, and then after the Titans game. You know, but the problem is now Zach Wilson's out, um, and that's just it's just devastating. Like the guy's out. We need him to play. We need the team to play together to gain chemistry. And on the topic of tanking and losing games, at this point for the Jets. It doesn't make sense to root for your team to lose and tank in these situations where you have a young quarterback. If we had a like, if you if we have a third pick or the sixth pick next year, this Kayvon Thibodeau or the safety Hamilton, whichever guy we get is not going to by himself change our football team like a quarterback would. So to root for your team to lose out at this point is doesn't make sense to me. I agree because they are one in five. If you told me before the season they're going to start one in five, I wouldn't be utterly shocked. Hopefully, you don't get l- shut out by the Broncos and have a 50 point loss and look lifeless against Atlanta, right? You don't think those are going to happen. But you're right. If they're one in five and a Flacco or Mike White, Mike White go one and two in the next two games, which is a hard ask, they're going to be underdogs by almost double digits in both. If the Jets are two and six, Zach Wilson can have a competitive few weeks where you're saying, oh, well, we're five and eight, five and seven. We can make a cool run of in the hunt. And like, it's probably not going to happen, but you can root for that. The difference is if you're one and 14, two and 13, those final two weeks, if you have the clear path for a cave on Thibodeau, I would never argue that you should not root for the Jets to lose that game. You're a fan. You can do what you want. Uh, the perfect scenario we all agree on is Zach Wilson throws for 5 billion yards and 10 touchdowns that they end up losing by a field goal. But again, you can't always root for tough losses on a, a franchise that has one tough loss in the past four years. So it's Kayvon Thibodeau. I don't even want to get into it because I think there's no chance that the Jets are going to find a way. I tweeted it last year and it was spot on. Whether you want to stick with Sam, tank for Lawrence, trade back, the Jets will find a way to fuck up your scenario. And I was correct because they did not keep Sam. They did not get Lawrence and they didn't trade back. So right. at that point when I tweeted it in October, nobody thought the Jets were going to take Zach Wilson at two. So the Jets are going to find a way to either win enough or kind of get that fifth, sixth pick of the draft. So I don't think Thibodeau is even an option, to be honest. I don't think they're going to get him. If they do get him, Mike, he's the most needed player for this team other than a quarterback because the AFC is littered with unbelievable young quarterbacks. If you look at Herbert, 
and Mahomes and Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Deshaun Watson, and then even guys like number one overall picks like Burrow and Lawrence and Baker, you go down the row, you need to have an identity on defense to get to these guys. And a Thibodeau does that. A Lawson does that. A Quinnen and JFM up the middle do that. So yes, there are ways that we can become an unbelievable team from having a high draft pick, but who knows next year when fucking that happens and Quinnen has an ankle injury and JFM's out, like, out for the year, right? Like It's unbelievable this keeps happening. The cluster injuries, it's a paradox. I don't believe in it. Something happened with Joe Namath and God and the devil, and we're fucked. It, the problem is that we can't keep having the top three pick every year because these the rest of the team doesn't develop for the reasons we talked about before. We have to, at some point, change that we talked about it last week before the Patriots game. We have to at some point change the identity and the culture of this franchise. And that includes winning some football games or at the very, very least not losing and getting destroyed. So if the Jets win two or three games again this year, then all of a sudden, okay, we get Thibodeau or whoever, and we have a nice young new player. And then it's a three win team going into next year. So, okay, let's improve and win seven games. Why can't we just fucking win seven games this year? And then next year, we're ready to take the step at some point. You know what I mean? It can't be every year. Oh, we have this crazy guy in the draft. And now, you know, the rest of our roster sucks. Let's rebuild, rebuild. No more rebuilding. Draft the fucking guy who's going to help you next year. But they have to show something this year. And some of these guys, like we talked about all these cool young, after the Titans game, we talked about all the cool young talent on the Jets. Bryce Hall's been good. And Michael Carter and the Michael Carter, the corner. And and Gidry, Javelin Gidry, and uh, Elijah Vera Tucker, and you still have Beckton. And like you just talked about in defense, we, you know, we have some pieces. And it's like, that's good, but these guys have to produce in legitimate NFL games and win games so that they have experience winning and producing. It can't just be, oh, this guy, we took Elijah Moore in the second round. Guy has fucking nine catches in five games, and that's partially on him, partially not. He's drawn some pass interferences, et cetera. But if he ends the season with like, 22 catches for 240 yards we can't go into the season next year with him as our number two receiver because what the fuck agreed so yeah so that's 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 my main argument against tanking we have to win football games and not be a bottom feeding franchise for multiple multiple years which you've already been we had to get out of that mindset i think it will come i i always get confused on the the year of the rebuild because we've been talking about this rebuild since 2017 Right. So what year are we in? Did we restart the rebuild in 2020? Everyone keeps talking about this imaginary rebuild. You talk about all the time how things will change quickly in the NFL. What part of the rebuild do people think the Jets are in now? Because question. if they're in the early stages of it still, what was 2020 for and what was 2019 for? Because 2019, you evaluate the entire roster. 2020 was the year that you go 2-14, and 14, and this is the year you bounce back. You're on pace right now to win three games. So tell me, what year are we in? Because it's next year, the, game, the year we're going to go 7-10, and 10, and then the following year. What happens next year if you go 5-12? and 12? Oh, the next year you go 7. You go in the circle where it, you can't get out of it. And you need to find a way, to your point, to win football games. I don't think the defense is capable enough of holding these teams down. And they were, they were playing out of their minds early on. And all these injuries happened. Deshaun Phillips played his ass off yesterday. And still, I don't think it, it matters at all because the Jets gave up 54 points. The corners, I felt like, didn't play garbage. But again, they gave up 
balls over their head. Brandon Eccles obviously got beat in a long one. It was horrible. I, I don't know how this defense contains the teams that the Jets have upcoming. The Colts look great against the 49ers. The Bengals, we know how many weapons they have. The Bills at home is a scary game. I still think the Dolphins are going to find a way to win five, six games. A lot of people think the Dolphins, even without Watson, I think the Dolphins are too talented to be that bad. And they've lost two on the last second field goal. So the Dolphins, everyone's making fun of two last second field goals. The Dolphins are three and four instead of one and six. So the Jets haven't had that moment at all this year where they lost the game because of the last second field goal or they're inside a touchdown other than a few onside kick chances. This team has that stretch that you talked about Dolphins, Texans, Eagles, Saints, Dolphins, Jaguars. If that's when Zach Wilson's healthy and can make a run, that is the best course of action for this franchise moving forward. If he doesn't, the best case then is getting that game-changing edge rusher in the draft. Yeah, and what happened to our pass rush? After the Jets had seven sacks against the, the Titans, they were among the league leaders in sacks with 14, and they haven't had one in the last two weeks. And that probably has something to do with coaching. Um People make adjustments against the, against the Jets, and the Jets have not made adjustments at all. I'm very disappointed so far with the coaching staff. But again, it's early on in all of these people's tenures, et cetera, et cetera. You just don't want to be in this position. Yeah, maybe you try to get to the quarterback and you give up a few gas runs, or you try to stop the run. The quarterback is all day to throw. There's like no correct mindset happening on the defensive end. Ober coaches ass off early on. And it's been not good since. No sacks to your credit. Fuck. Yeah, I mean, the last three games, the Jets led up 430, 450, and 551 yards. In the first three games, they were letting up in the mid-300s. They held up 260 yards to the Patriots. So things have gone awry. Um, I mean, what a gut punch. You lose fucking 54-13 to your rival. Another notch in the disgusting history between the two teams. Oh, I mean, we're like, again, we're optimistic Jeff fans, but this is a really a good punch. And I was even tweeting out in the beginning of the game yesterday. I'm trying to keep positive vibes, you know, like, here we go, man, whatever. But once the rookie quarterback goes out too, it's like a whole nother level of just frustration. And the Flacco trade, you assume that they make that trade, not thinking he's going to miss a week or two. Yeah. Maybe it's they're playing it safe and they don't want to bring him back for that Bills game and think it's safer to have him for home against the Dolphins. I don't know. I'm I'm hoping he's back against the Dolphins. That's I would sign on the dot right now for Zach to miss three weeks. You know, this is two to four. A month would be frustrating. I there's no reason for the Jets to rush him back, especially with the extra game too. But let's just hope he comes back and is healthy and no pop, no anything. But it was good. The good the diagnosis of two to four weeks was like okay to see same similar to Makai Becton yeah, but Becton missed more time like as long as these guys aren't literally out for the year and have to rehab like psychopaths for 12 months yeah because that matters that gives an opportunity to build their strength back up throughout the offseason rather than rehabbing the entire time if I were the Jets coaching staff on offense moving forward and maybe I'm out of my fucking mind like this is probably unpopular at all I would put Corey Davis Mims and more as your three on the field for the first half, those three, it is an experiment. Whatever you're doing now is not working. So give me Davis, Mims, and more. Spread them out. You can get Carter going in the run game, but try to do quick 
four-yard hitches and quick routes for more Mims and Davis and see what happens. If you can move the ball down the field with a back quarterback, you can do it with the number two overall pick when he's back and healthy. So just try something new. I don't want more of Davis and Cole, a tight end, a stacked formation line with a running back, and then you run up the middle twice and then an incomplete pass. It just doesn't feel great. I think Moore's a lot better on the inside than the outside. I feel like he's an afterthought when he's on the outside of the field. Give me something new because whatever they're doing, not working. And Mims yesterday threw him that uh, that kind of jump ball in the middle of the field on the left left side, and he made like an acrobatic attempt. He almost jumped over the corner and caught the ball. The guy has talent, um, and a lot of Jeff fans this whole year have kind of been using Mims as like one of the reasons they're pissed. Totally makes sense. Um, you know, it's not like if Denzel Mims was playing all year. The Jets would probably still be one in five, but it would be nice to see our second round pick last year who clearly has loads of talent being put in the game. To your point, like you said, how many times do I have to watch fucking Ryan Griffin, who actually made a nice catch yesterday, and like and Tyler Croft with a weird wide receiver grouping, right? It's, it's not an optimal group. Make an adjustment and make an adjustment on defense. Stop every, again, every screen, every swing pass is like the Jets have never seen it before, you know, and Look, Mosley being out killed us, but he was playing last week, and Matt Ryan picked them apart. It's also different if the Jets are one and five, but have been losing games forty-one to twenty-eight, forty-one to thirty-five. Maybe you don't call for Mims because the offense is wrong and looking good. When your offense puts up fourteen points, six points, zero points, uh, twenty-seven at home, twenty and thirteen, you think to yourself, "Oh, maybe we could use that guy we drafted in the second round." So yes, I think there is an element of how they're losing games and how they're not scoring points or moving the ball or have any passing attack right now, four touchdowns, nine picks or with Mike White included five touchdowns, 11 picks. Oh, maybe you use that second round pick and not have them have one catch for seven yards. I don't know. <laughs> what is our, what's our record since we started doing the podcast and the, making the accounts? We are <laughs> three and 19. <laughs> That's so brutal. We can't, our brand is a, positive and the problem is the two wins that they had the two wins that they had in 2020 like objectively don't want to win those games when they were in the path for lawrence so call it one game since we've been doing the pod that we can come in here and freak out and be happy so fuck me (laughs) i think that was a negative pod but we need to let it out we're fine we'll be back we'll we're allowed what are we supposed to say we can't lie to like you know like gaslight people we're frustrated but we have to take everything with a grain of salt and we have to understand that the Jets do, for the reasons we like a lot of these players, we have to give them more time and we have to hope that we're one in five and it's horrific. And then we have to hope that the Jets play good football the rest of the year. We do not need the Jets to be one in 16 to get a defensive end in the, in the draft. It's just not the best course for the franchise. Um, hopefully we win five or six games. And we'll feel good about it. Like, think about, again, think about the Titans game, how we felt after that game. We were fired up. We're like, these are our young guys. And they did what we want them to do. We want John Franklin Myers to get pressure and he got a couple sacks. And Quinn's all over the place. And Bryce Hall and Gidry and Michael Carter and Michael Carter on offense. And all these guys are contributing. That's what we want. We want to feel that way. And we want the players to feel that way so they can develop. They're not going to develop when they lose 50 to 13. And everyone is just, you know, feeling horrible about things. You're right. 
But if you're listening to this now, we did start a YouTube page. We did. Broadway, Broadway Jets YouTube. Been a lot of fun. Putting out a lot of good content over there. Go ahead and listen to that. Tomorrow, Joe Caparoso coming on to do a tier list. Uh, should we spoil the tier list here? Yeah. They made it this far. You deserve it. We're doing Mike McCagnon draft picks, <laughs> which is going to be f- terrible. And Mike has been killing it. Mike has been killing it on Twitter. It's been a lot of fun out there. Are you at 10K? I'm uh, 57 followers away from 10K, which when I I get to 10K, I'm just retiring. I'm deleting my account, and I'm just going to go back to how it was before where I would just call Mike and bitch about the Jets and didn't have an outlet of people that wanted to hear my thoughts. That uh, It's funny, even when I tweet anything out, I'm I'm at the point where Patriot fans – I, other team fan bases always find it and make mean comments, but I usually don't go back at any mean replies, but sometimes I have fun with it. <laughs> Fuck, this is tough. Yeah, I mean, you've usually been like twice as many followers as me. I'm like, I'm approaching 5,000. So yeah, that makes sense. You're at 10K. Dude, we have great followers. Jeff fans are are awesome, but Jeff fans are like, beaten down online <laughs> they have every right to be there's times where i think it's unwanted yeah. and they're it's the same old judge poor me but i said there's a time that you can change the culture on sunday i said you can change the culture when everything's going bad you pick up that crazy win against your rival and they did change the culture but it went backwards a, a big whole step because everything that salah is preaching the rah-rah you know, calm manner. We don't yell at our players. They're adults. We're one team united. Everything. Does that wrap up too? Does it wrap up quickly with players? Do they start feeling like this is all bullshit if you lose every week? Hopefully not. Yeah. Yeah. No, you, you said it to me on the side yesterday. Like we want to see some fire out of Salah, but yeah, it's not like, what is he going to be fired up about on the sideline when we're losing 30 to seven Corey Davis catches a touchdown. He's going to like freak out. We'd say he's an idiot. So things will get better. We're going to wrap it there. If you listen this far, don't forget to follow us on Twitter, subscribe to the YouTube, subscribe to the podcast, download, tell your friends. We'll be back more positive next week after the Jets, hopefully are playing a much more competitive game. Mike, I'll talk to you soon, buddy. My friend.